Hey, Woodland Church, how are you? Uh, we are starting this brand new series that we just kicked off last week and we're calling Overflow. And with the COVID cases rising in the Houston area, I know that some of you are overflowing with stress or overflowing with anxiety or overflowing with confusion about what to do. But I think we're all overflowing with frustration which is perfectly expressed by a little girl in a viral video this week. Have you seen this one? Just watch. Everything in this world has to be shut down. It is so frustrating, that's for sure. I can relate, you can relate to this little girl and I know that it's frustrating for us not to have in-person services this weekend. I mean, it's kind of strange. I'm preaching to an empty auditorium, but yet I know that I'm preaching to more people that could ever fit in this auditorium because we're connecting to thousands upon thousands in the Houston area and around the world. More people are connecting to Woodland Church than ever, and the church isn't empty. The church is deployed, making a difference more than ever. But I have to say that, yeah, it's frustrating for all of us. It's confusing for all of us. And uh, during this time, really the only a metric that Chris and I have really looked at constantly because we know this one is such a true metric is how many COVID patients are in our hospitals, uh, how many ICU beds are left, um, and now that our Houston hospitals are overflowing, then that really grabbed our attention because it's not about fear. We do this not out of fear but out of love to do what we can do right now during this time uh, so that all of our doctors and nurses and medical professionals can be supported by us. And all those who are sick will have a place in our hospitals as now they're sending nurses and doctors from other areas of the country to come to Houston because all our nurses, doctors, and medical professionals are so overworked. And so that's really been the only statistic that we've ever looked at because can't lie about that one. I mean, that one just speaks the truth. And so in all the confusion, that's the only one that, that's really mattered. But we're just praying from week to week and saying, God, what should we do? And God is guiding us. We feel the Lord just really guiding us from week to week is what we should do at Woodland Church. And really it's from day to day, just one day at a time. And we pray just for today, Lord, give us your wisdom. Just for today, give us your strength. Just for today, Lord, help us do what you call us to do. Just for today. We need God just for today. And so we know that this weekend and next weekend we'll be online and no in-person services at our campuses, but we really believe that very soon uh, we're gonna be overflowing in our buildings with people. That we'll all be back, it'll be overflowing, and I know that's coming really soon. It's just that we're taking it one day at a time, we're praying one day at a time, but connect with us. So many are connecting with us, and I'm so glad that you've connected today because while many people today are overflowing with stress, overflowing with anxiety, overflowing with fear. God wants to overflow us with peace. God wants his children to be overflowing with joy. He wants his children to be overflowing with strength, overflowing with compassion, and overflowing with love for people that we don't even know. That's what God wants. He wants us to fill us so full that we're overflowing and it just splashes on everyone around us and it changes our city. And so, God wants us to cooperate with his overflow process. 
So how do you really start an overflow like that? Well, the way we start an overflow is found in one of Jesus' most famous miracles. It's the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Um, and it's mentioned in all four gospels. There's only two miracles mentioned in all four gospels. So it's like God saying, this one's an important one. This is a big one. I want you to get this and the principles in it. And so we see that in this miracle, the people were following Jesus and they followed him to a remote place where Jesus had been teaching all day long because the people were mesmerized by his teaching. He gave them such hope and his words had such power. And so they just listened to him teach all day long. And the scripture says there were 5,000 men, which means there were probably 15 to 20,000 people altogether because the women and children, they didn't even count the women and children. So there are about 20,000 people around Jesus in this remote place, and it was beginning to get dark. And the disciples came up to Jesus, and they said, hey, Jesus, people are hungry. We need to send them away because we've got no way to feed them. We're in a remote place. There's no restaurants around, and these people didn't bring any food. They didn't know they'd be here this long. They were just amazed at your teaching, and they stayed. So we need to send them away. But I want you to see what Jesus says to them. In Mark 6, verse 37, Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, oh, that would be eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Now that is an overflow. It overflowed so much that it fed all the 20,000 there, and then they had 12 basketfuls of overflow left over. And God wants to start an overflow in your life during this time, I really believe that. God wants to start an overflow of his provision, an overflow of his peace, an overflow of his joy in the middle of this time. So how do we cooperate with God so he can start an overflow? Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this miracle that you want us to get. We've, we've all heard this miracle many times, but Lord, I pray that we would get today what you really want us to get out of it, that you really want us to understand how we are to cooperate during this time so that you can start an overflow in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our communities, and in our city, and in our nation and world. Lord, we need you desperately, so I pray that you would speak to us from your word and change us. I thank you for everyone connecting right now, that you would just help them, Lord Jesus, not be distracted by anything that could distract them. But Lord, you would grab them through your word so that they wouldn't miss the miracle that you want to do in their lives. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. When the disciples came up to Jesus and said, people are hungry, we need to send them away, what were they really saying? They were saying, it's not our problem. 
It's not our problem that we're in a remote place. It's not our problem that they didn't pack a lunch and dinner. It's not our problem that they stayed because you're such an amazing teacher, Jesus. That's not our problem. They had a not our problem attitude. And I think some of us look at this surge in coronavirus cases in Houston and we have a not my problem attitude. It's like, you know, I, I don't know anyone close to me that's really sick and it's, you know, it's not really my problem that the ICU beds are running out in Houston. Maybe you're a young person and you think, well, it's not my problem because everyone knows that the symptoms for coronavirus in young people are pretty mild usually, so it's not my problem. I'm going to do what I want to do. And some of us would say, well, it's not my problem that all the doctors and nurses and medical professionals in our hospitals are just totally overwhelmed and they're having to send in doctors and nurses and medical professionals from other areas of the country to Houston because our medical professionals are so worn out working so many double shifts and and trying to take care of the overflow of COVID patients in our hospitals and some of them are getting sick and can't work and it's not my problem. You see, a lot of times we have it, it's not my problem attitude. But the disciples had that attitude. It's not my problem. But Jesus, he showed them. He showed them through this miracle. And he showed them through serving them for three years. The God of the universe serving them. And he showed them by washing their feet right before he went to the cross. And he showed them by going to the cross and sacrificing his life so they could have heaven and salvation that they could never earn or deserve. He showed them and he changed them completely. Because of his life and his overflow, he changed them completely from a, it's not my problem mentality to, I will love you with my life. I will love people with my life. I will give my life away in love for people I don't even know. That's what the disciples became. They went from it's not my problem attitude to I will love you with my life attitude. Jesus changed them with his overflow of compassion. See, that's what the disciples and the early Christians did during times of plague. For in the first centuries when serious sickness would hit a village or or a town, and disease would start spreading in the town, the wealthy people would just leave. They they would go for higher ground usually to get better air and to get away from the spread of the disease. And so they would literally run for their life. If you had money, that's what you would do. But the Christians, they would stay right in the middle of the worst places where the disease hit, and they would go in, and they would serve people, and they would care for the sick and the dying, and sometimes they would get sick and they would die. And people were amazed and confused. They didn't understand it, and they would ask the Christians, why do you do this? Why do you risk your life for people you don't even know? And they, they would say, well, we're followers of Jesus Christ, and he gave us his example. He gave his life so we could have salvation, forgiveness of our sins in heaven one day. Let me tell you about Jesus. And it was so compelling And that's why Christianity spread so fast through the Roman Empire, even though the Roman Empire was trying to shut it down. The Roman government was trying to shut down the church. For you see, 
you may not realize it, but before Christianity, this whole world was, and it's not my problem kind of world. Before Christianity, no one had ever seen anything like that. I mean, you just took care of yourself. You didn't care about others. You just did what you could to survive. And then people saw Christians risking their lives for people they didn't even know. Didn't even make sense to them, but it just grabbed their hearts. And people started turning to Christ. For you see this little group of persecuted Christians, the disciples and those early Christians, this little group that had no political influence, had no power, this group that was persecuted by the government, this little group, in just 300 years, Christianity had swept the whole Roman Empire, and the Roman Empire was Christian. Why? Because they just had an overflow of compassion that they got from Jesus Christ and his overflow of compassion for them. And that's a Christian's response during times of sickness and during times of plague and during times of pandemics is that we can't afford to have it's not my problem attitude. It has to be I'll love you with my life because of Jesus Christ and only because of Jesus Christ. Jesus wouldn't allow the disciples to have an it's not my problem attitude. He, he just wouldn't allow it. Why? Because he didn't want them to miss the miracle. He loved them too much. And so what did he say to them? He said, you give them something to eat. He said, it's your problem. You see, they said, we need to send them away. It's not our problem. And Jesus said, no, you need to feed them because it's totally your problem. He said, I'm telling you, it's your job to meet their needs. Of course, Jesus knew it was a job that would overwhelm them that they couldn't possibly do on their own but he wanted them to feel the crushing weight of the problem so that they would turn to him, the only one who could solve it. And maybe today you feel the crushing weight of a problem in your life. Maybe it's a financial problem or a relationship problem. Maybe it's just the crushing weight of one of your family members who's just going the wrong direction. Maybe it's just the crushing weight of uncertainty, not knowing what's next and Maybe it's a crushing weight of your business and trying to figure out how to keep this thing afloat during this time. I don't know what the crushing weight is that you feel. I don't know what problem is just crushing the life out of you, but I know this. So many times God allows those problems to crush the life out of us so that we'll realize we can't hold them anymore and we turn them to the Savior. So many times he allows those problems in my life that I can't solve, that I can't fix, that just crush the life out of me so that I'll feel the weight of them so I'll turn it over to the way maker. When you feel the weight of a problem, then you look for the way maker because you realize you can't make a way. And so the disciples started to realize this, that the problem was just too big. They couldn't solve it. They needed Jesus to provide an overflow. And so many times... God allows the crushing weight of a problem in my life so I won't miss the miracle. God doesn't want you to miss out on the miracle. The disciples had said, send them away, but they didn't realize in sending them away, they would have been sending away the overflow that would have started in their own lives. You see, they didn't realize they were about to miss the miracle. They almost overlooked the overflow. But Jesus, out of his grace, just wouldn't let them. He placed them right in the middle of the miracle by letting them feel the crushing weight 
that it was their problem and not someone else's problem. And they realized they couldn't handle it. So they had to turn to Christ. But I want you to see three things that Jesus taught them that they had to do to cooperate with Christ so they wouldn't miss the miracle. I don't want you to miss the miracle. Chris and I are praying for you. We don't want you to miss the miracle that's in this time. Because of all the mess that's in this time, many times because of the mess, we can't see the miracle. But God wants to work a miracle. And so he doesn't want you to miss the miracle. And if you're feeling the crushing weight of a problem, that just means that God loves you and he wants you to experience a miracle because until you feel the crushing weight of something, you can't really give it over to God. Sometimes I hear Christians say, well, just let go and let God. Just trust God. Don't worry. Just let go and let God. The problem is many times they haven't really felt the burden and the problem. I tell our staff team all the time that I call this catch and release. I said, until you catch the problem, how overwhelming the problem is in your life, in ministry, to meet the needs of people, to bring one person to Christ, until you realize the crushing weight of it and feel it, you can't really give it to God. You've got to first feel it and realize, whoa. If you just say, oh, it's all God's, it's in God's hands, I don't have to do anything about it, then Jesus will look right back at you and he'll say, no, you feed them. You feed them, it's your job. It's your job to figure this out. When I realize it's my job to figure it out, and I can't figure it out, I get on my knees and go, God, I need you. I need you. But until you feel the crushing, the crushing weight of it, until you catch the problem and you can't handle it, you can't give it to God. You catch and then you release. You can't release before you catch. And so the disciples, they felt the crushing weight. Now Jesus said, you feed them. You feed them. It's your job And so what did Jesus ask them to do? Well, there are three things. If we're not gonna overlook an overflow, he doesn't want you to overlook an overflow. First, don't overlook the small things. Don't overlook the small things. In Zechariah 4.10, it says, don't despise the day of small things. I think we're living in the day of small things. You know, we can't do some of the big things that we would like to do. And so there's small things, though, that God wants to take and use and turn them into even bigger things, and that's what God's doing. We have more people connecting online in our services than we could ever fit in our auditorium. Isn't that amazing? And so God wants to take these little things. Don't skip over the little things. We're kind of living in the day of small things now. We're always looking for a big miracle, but God usually starts with something small and seemingly insignificant to start an overflow in your life. Well, in Mark 6, 38, Jesus asked the disciples, how many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Now, of course, we know from another gospel that the five loaves and two fish were provided by a little boy who, it was his lunch. It was just a little boy's lunch. Now, can you imagine if that little boy had said, it's not my problem. It's not my problem that you guys don't have a mom that that packs you a lunch and thinks about you and loves you. It's not my problem, but what did he do? He gave his whole lunch away to Jesus. And so children in that day were given such little value that they weren't even counted. But God uses what the world at that time considered totally insignificant, a little child, to start a big miracle. And so many times God will use something that is seemingly insignificant and small to do something really big in your life. So don't overlook the small things. How do you do that? Start with what you have. Start with what you have. 
Last week we said, God always starts with what you have to give you what you don't have. God always starts with what you have to give you what you need. So what do you have right now? Instead of focusing totally on the things that you don't have, the things that you've lost, what do you have right now? You see, Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? And the disciples said, well, basically we got nothing except a little boy's lunch. We got nothing except five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, I can work with that. That's great. They said, we got nothing except a little boy's lunch. Except. And we said last week, if you give your except to God, he can do something exceptional with it. So what is your except? I got nothing, Lord, but a little bit of talent. I got nothing, Lord, but a little bit of time. I got nothing, Lord, except. What is your except? God can do something exceptional with it when you give it to him. When you give what you have to God, then he can multiply it. So I need to stop complaining about all the things I don't have and realize what I have. And this is an opportunity for small things. This is for those of you who are business leaders and you're thinking, what am I gonna do? What, this is an opportunity during the middle of the tough things and, the, and all the uncertainties and the anxieties. This is a time to get back to doing some basic things like writing cards and notes and letters to customers and, and encouraging people and and just letting them know that you care about them, making phone calls. It's like the little things that matter so much. Maybe now you've got time to do some of those things. What are the little things? Start with what you have, and God will turn it into what you don't have. And then start with where you are. God placed you where you are for a reason. He placed you in the family you're in for a reason. It's not an accident. God placed you in the neighborhood you're in for a reason. He placed you in the community you're in for a reason. He placed you in the city that you're in for a reason. We're in Houston for a reason. It's because God wants us to be a part of the healing in Houston. God wants us to be a part of making a difference and turning people toward him, and we're all in it together. Any problem in Houston is our problem, and we need God to give us the strength to overflow to make a difference. I had the privilege of interviewing Dr. Mark Boom this week, who is the president and CEO of Houston Methodist. He's uh, over all of the Methodist hospitals with the flagship there in the medical center, and he's coordinating with other CEOs of the hospitals in the medical system of Houston and figuring out the overflow situation and how to meet the needs of people with all the COVID patients. And, and we've been doing so much for the hospitals. We're bringing food to the medical professionals, feeding thousands of people just as an act of love to say that we love you. And then we're going to the, the parking lots and we're, we're wearing masks. But during the shift change, we're holding up signs and we're cheering for the heroes, nurses, doctors, medical professionals risking their life. And we're praying and we're waving to the people in the hospital rooms. And, and we're just feeding people by the thousands, making an impact, making a difference. And, and Dr. Mark Boom wanted to thank you, Woodland Church, so here he is. Yeah, really commit to pray for Dr. Boom and all the other medical professionals and who are right in the middle of the fight each and every day, and we're in it together. As he said, we're all in it together, and sometimes the little things make the biggest difference when you do it out of love and compassion for others. In Luke nineteen seventeen, it says, Jesus said, well done, my good servant, the master replied. Uh, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of 10 cities. See, God watches to see if you're faithful in the little things and loving people in your life so that he can reward you with the big things. Now, God's not gonna hold you accountable for 
what you don't have. He's gonna hold you accountable for what he has given you. He's gonna hold you accountable for the talent he has given you, the time he has given you, the resources he has given you. He's gonna hold you accountable for those things, saying, did you follow my son's example? What did you do with your one and only life? And so start with the small things. Don't overlook the overflow by overlooking the small things in your life and doing what you know to do. Secondly, don't overlook God's part. Don't take God out of the equation. In Mark 6, 41, it says, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks, blessed them and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. You see, they gave the little bit they had to Jesus and he multiplied it. If you'll give God what you have, he will multiply it. God always starts with what you have to give you what you don't have. And when you give God what you have, the little bit that you have, you give him the little bit of faith that you have, he can multiply it. Give him the little bit of resources you have, he can multiply it. Give him the little bit of time you have, he can multiply it. He's the great multiplier. And so he blessed the loaves and he broke them before he passed them to disciples and the miracle happened. So he had to break the loaves before the miracle happened. And before God can really use us, often he has to allow us to be broken, to come to a place of brokenness before he can really use us and fill us to overflowing. And so if you're at a place of brokenness right now, maybe you have a broken heart or maybe it's a broken dream or maybe it's a broken business or finances, you feel broke. Maybe it's a broken relationship or a broken marriage and just broken emotions. Maybe you feel totally broken right now. The place of brokenness is the source of the river that brings overflow in our lives. The place of brokenness is the source of the river of blessing in our lives. We don't realize that because it's such a painful place, but it's such a productive place. If you're at the place of brokenness right now, you're in a good place, though it doesn't feel like it. And my heart breaks for you because I know it doesn't feel like a good place, but that place of brokenness and pain and sorrow and grief, God says, when you're at that place and you turn to me, I will fill you up. I will fill you up and I'll bless you. He had to break the bread before the miracle took place. And many times God allows us to come to a place of brokenness before the miracle can take place in our lives and then God gets all the credit. So if you're at that place of brokenness, no, you're at the source of the river of blessing. And God is about to do something in your life that's gonna bring an overflow and splash around on everyone around you. That's what God wants. God's getting ready to bring an overflow in your life. So don't miss it. Don't, don't send away the overflow. Look to Jesus. When you're at the place of brokenness, look to Jesus. You see, the disciples needed bread, but they overlooked Jesus. The disciples needed bread, but they forgot the bread of life was standing right next to them. The disciples needed bread to feed the people, and they had the bread of life right next to them. The disciples needed someone to do a miracle, and they forgot the miracle worker was right beside them. They forgot the one who created the universe and put the stars in space was standing right next to them. And I forget that so many times. Don't overlook Jesus. If you overlook Jesus, you overlook the miracle. Don't take God out of the equation. Look to Jesus right now. Look to Jesus. Look to the creator of the universe. Look to the maker of heaven and earth. Look to the one who loves you so much 
that he cares about every detail of your life. Look to Jesus, because if you overlook Jesus, you overlook the miracle. That's why for Chris and I, our main goal during this time is to help you connect with Jesus. We don't want you to overlook Jesus because he wants to produce overflow in your life. And that's why we're doing this thing Monday through Friday, we're calling Daily Overflow. It's from 8 a.m. and then we do it again at 8 p.m. 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. And, and what we do in this Daily Overflow is we're just letting you into our home to show you how we have our daily devotional with God, how we spend time with God. And there's 10 minutes, 8 a.m. to 8.10 in the morning, 8 p.m. to 8, uh, 10 p.m. in the evening and on social media. So connect with us tomorrow, 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. And we're just bringing you into our home and how we do our daily quiet time. Uh, there's nothing perfect or magical about it. It's just, this is how we spend time connecting with Jesus because we don't want to overlook Jesus. Don't overlook Jesus this week because he is the answer. I don't have all the answers for all we're going through. I get so confused. I, I, sometimes I don't know what to do next. I don't have all the answers and I don't think any human being does, but I know the answer, Jesus Christ. And if you need a miracle, look to the miracle worker. I don't have all the answers, but I know the answer, Jesus Christ. And I can connect with him every day, and he will guide me out of his love and out of his grace. And so don't overlook God's part. I love Ephesians 3.20. It says, now glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or even think. God wants to do more in your life than you could even think or imagine or ask for. But then there's a third thing. Don't overlook the next opportunity. Don't overlook the small things. Don't overlook God's part. And don't overlook the next opportunity. Instead of waiting for a big opportunity or for when we get back to normal, don't overlook that next opportunity in your life. Ephesians, I'm sorry, Galatians 6.10 says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. That's what we're doing, Woodland Church. We're just loving people. We're stretching more than ever. We're reaching out more than ever to love people. Uh, this last week, we went to several hospitals, and we're going to um, under-resourced communities in Houston, making an impact, making a difference, feeding people, meeting people's needs. People are out of work, people who are struggling. We're meeting people's needs. We're not saying, well, it's not my problem because it, everyone's going through things. And we wanna follow Jesus' example. And next week, we're going to Ben Tob Hospital and other hospitals in the medical center. And we're just, we're just getting started. Operation Overflow. I hope you'll sign up for Operation Overflow. We need thousands of you to go with us. And we wear a mask, we social distance, but it's worth risking for to make a difference for these heroes on the front line. Just watch a little bit of what we did this last week in Operation Overflow. I hope you'll sign up on the website right now to join us because, I mean, we're just getting started. We're gonna hit thousands of people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, just loving people, and we're just getting started purchasing thousands of meals, making a difference, going places that really make a difference and are worth risking for. In Romans 5.15, it says, for if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? You see, it's saying here that one man, Adam, the first man, sinned and brought the sickness of sin into the world, and that sickness has spread. It's a pandemic of sin that's touched every one of us. 
But then one man, Jesus Christ, he came and he died and he gave his life as the antidote, as the cure for the sickness of our sins. And that grace of the one man, the God man, Jesus Christ, overflows. The blood of Christ overflows and cleanses us from every sin. So grateful for the overflow of grace. You see, we're all just trophies of grace. That's why we can't have an it's not my problem attitude because the sickness of sin is my problem. But Jesus took it away out of his grace. It wasn't his problem, but he did it anyway out of love and compassion. If you've never received the grace of God, if you've never received Christ's grace and your forgiveness of sins that he offers you, through his perfect sinless blood, you can do it right now. Just pray this prayer. You don't have to close your eyes. Just say, Jesus Christ, I need you to save me. I need you to come into my life and forgive me of my sins and change me from the inside out. Be the Lord of my life. I accept your free gift of salvation and forgiveness in heaven one day. I couldn't earn it or deserve it. Lord, I know that it wasn't your problem. It was my problem, but I need you. Thank you for your grace. I receive your salvation. Thank you for saving me. If you prayed that prayer, Christ came into your life and he'll never leave you. Would you just click on our online platform? I want to raise my hand to receive Jesus. Something about that saying it's my decision. I want everyone to know. And we're going to have a a big membership class coming up in a couple of weeks that uh, we're going to do it online. And it's going to be powerful. And we're going to have hundreds of people connect and join the church and I'll be teaching the class and you can look for that but you can also talk to one of our pastors they're on the chat line right now but we want to give at this time give in worship and this is a time the church really needs it because God has called us to step out in faith where God guides God provides and we need you more than ever we all can't give the same amount but we can all give we can all give and so go to wc.org slash give and you can get set up. Online giving, you can do it recurrent giving. WC.org slash give. And we need you more than ever. WC.org slash give. Or you can give on your smartphone, and you can just text the word GIVEWC to 77977. Give WC, one word, give WC to 77977. You can do recurrent giving there. Or you can mail it in to One Fellowship Drive, the Woodlands, Texas, 77384. Or you can give stocks or assets, but... This is a time the church really needs it. And if you have extra, I really challenge you to give something sacrificially during this time. But really, it's not the amount, it's the heart that matters. It's the heart that matters. And we all need to give something that is a sacrifice of the heart. I don't know what that is for you. It'll be all different amounts, but God looks at the heart and says, is that a sacrifice or not? And so I just really challenge you to give because this is a time where the church rises up This is a time when everything is dark and confusing, where the church is the light of the world and people see Jesus in us. So let's give to the Lord. I love this new Woodlands worship song. It's called More Than a Feeling because our faith in Christ isn't dictated by our feelings. We obey the Lord, step out in faith, and he comes through. We follow, and that's the way it is with giving. Giving is an act of faith, not feeling, knowing that God will provide and meet our needs, knowing that God will use it knowing that we're obeying him. So let's give to the Lord. Lord, bless our giving. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.